Thanks for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. Our hope is that it helps you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Hello and welcome to a study in Galatians. My name is Elijah Daly and I get to be one of the ministers at Christ Church of Orinogo. And I'll just be honest with you, Galatians is a stunning book. It is probably the closest we come to in regards to a reality TV series in the Bible. It is just filled with drama and passion and conflict and challenge, but also meaning and depth and clarity. And you'll find out very, very soon how passionate this book becomes as Paul talks to people who he had invested a lot of time and resources in. Imagine, it's, it's similar to this, imagine you go home for, for a holiday to be with your family, and all of a sudden you, you find out that your, your family's invited just a lot of people over for this lavish feast. But it's not just your family, it's like young people and old people, rich people and poor people, and you're like, man, that's pretty cool. And then as you sit down at the table, you start to notice something pretty uh, peculiar. Everyone looks like you. And then as the conversation starts and as it goes on, you start to realize actually that your dad was very intentional about only inviting people who were the same ethnicity as you. What would you do? You see, this is a part of the mess that Galatians begins to address, except it's Peter and Paul who are sitting at the table together, and it's Peter who is struggling with racism, and it's Paul who is going to not only confront Peter to his face, but all of the churches who have forgotten that Jesus did not just come for Israel, but the whole world. That the gospel radically changes our allegiance, our identity, and our family. And that is why when we jump into this book, it becomes clear Paul is, needs to establish his identity, who he is, his leadership, his authority, so that he can begin addressing a significant problem in the churches in Galatia. So let's dive in to verse 1. It says this, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Paul, an apostle, he's already anticipating how he needs to make his authority and his relationship, his responsibility known. Now, if you remember, the title apostle, it no longer just applies to those 12 people that Jesus chose to become his closest followers, his disciples, his friends. This title has actually evolved a bit since then to include anybody who has seen God and been commissioned by Him. And Paul here is saying, I am one of those people. I am one who is sent. I am one who is called to go and preach the gospel, especially to the Gentiles, which we'll come to find out pretty quickly of who all that entails. And if you remember that this this apostleship, this title, this authority, this responsibility for Paul He's making the argument that this wasn't from man or through man. This was exclusively the very work of God. You see, the same God who has the power to rise dead men has the the power to make leading sinners into leading saints. And that's what's happened with Paul. His life has completely changed. He's devoted it and sacrificed it and surrendered it all to be at the Father's feet. And now the Father is calling him to, to go and to make disciples and also to help them when they are struggling with the brokenness that they are in the churches of Galatia. And so Paul does this and he actually acknowledges and wants them to know that this isn't just something Paul is seeing, but that the brothers are seeing. Brothers, 
right? The church leadership, and he uses this familial language, this family motif, because it's so important to what Paul is trying to, to, to talk about, that the Jews, it seems as though, are trying to break apart this family, to divorce it, and Paul is trying to guard it, because in Christ, a new family arises. And Paul's trying to protect it, and he's also trying to affirm that the brothers who make up this family's leadership They've actually begun to identify a problem and are in consensus about it. They have an agreement about it. This needs to be addressed. The Galatians need to be admonished. And so Paul works to do so. Now, I think this is an important point because this isn't just one man calling out sin. This is a man who is working with a community to try to bring about goodness and grace and life and truth. And it's trying to do so in a community where people have surrendered themselves to these responsibilities and the authority of these men in hopes that they can be brought along in the path to knowing who God is. And man, sometimes we just need to be able to consult our community. Sometimes we need to be able to be called out by our community, knowing that their, their intentions, their honesty, their sincerity is truly to bring about our health and our life and our growth. And that's what Paul's trying to do here. That our hope is that our disagreements wouldn't become reactionary, but that they're actually this intentional understanding of how to bring us to health. And so Paul begins to address these people, these churches of Galatia. Now it says these churches of Galatia, which I think is an important point for a couple of reasons. The first one is because this is the only letter that Paul writes to these multiple church gatherings in this province. Like if you look at most of the other letters, they're written to churches in a city, or they're written to specific people, like Titus and Timothy are people, and Rome and Colossae, Philippi, like those are cities, right? And yet here we are looking at Galatia, which is actually a province, and it contains many cities, and it probably contained many churches, and this letter was supposed to be passed around to all of those churches so that they could begin to hear what it is Paul is trying to do, what he's trying to protect, what he's trying to proclaim in the true gospel. But because of this, we don't exactly know when it was written or who exactly it was written to in Galatia. Some people think it might have been to the churches that Paul established and planted in Acts 13. Pisidian Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, Derbe, and that's possible. Those aren't exactly in Galatia proper, but they're so close. And we know that Paul went there to establish different churches in that area. And so perhaps Paul is writing to them. Or it also could be that Luke tells us in Acts 16 and in Acts 18 that, that Paul actually goes into Galatia and he says that he does work there, that he plants churches there. He doesn't call out cities necessarily, but he says he goes into Galatia to plant churches. And it's possible that, that this is, these are the churches that Paul is writing to. Now, why does all this matter? Well, let's talk about Acts 15, a very, very important chapter and verse in regards to the discussion at hand. Listen to what it says in verse 1. Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless they are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. You see, there were some Jews who were trying to maintain their Judaism simultaneously with Christianity. They just didn't know exactly how that was supposed to work out, whether they were allowed to accept Gentiles into the faith community, and if they did so, whether they needed to make the Gentiles actually be obedient to all of the Jewish laws and traditions. 
And there was debate as to whether they should do this or not. In fact, there was a significant amount of Jews who felt like they should. And so Gentiles were being cut out of the, of the community of faith if they weren't circumcised or if they weren't obeying the laws that were necessary. And so the church came together in Acts 15 as a council, as a decision-making body to finally make a definitive statement as to what the gospel was going to do and how it was going to change things and what that meant for Jew and Gentile. I mean, this is a pretty intense moment. Like, I mean, we, like some churches right now, they're fighting about the, how loud the volume is or like what color the carpet is. But man, this church is trying to find, fight about and understand what the gospel is, what the implications are, what it will change eternally for everyone right now and forever. I mean, these are big decisions that are being made. And that's why it matters when this book was written. See, if Paul wrote to Southern Galatia, it was very possible that he did so before Acts 15. It's very possible that he did so before this decision was made, and that impacts it in multiple ways for lots of different reasons. But the first is that this would actually mean that Galatians is the first letter that Paul ever wrote. The other issue is that this was actually Paul lashing out at the Galatians before there had been a definitive statement in the church about it. It's interesting. Now, the other aspect is that this could be that it was written to those churches, again, that are never explicitly named, but we know in Acts 16 and 18 that uh, Paul did go to Galatia. And so if it was written to those churches, it would have had to be written after Acts 15. It would have had to have been written after the council, after the church had made the decision, had made the definitive statement that Gentiles did not have to obey the law, that they could enjoy the the Jewish community of faith because now it was the Christian faith located in Jesus and all that he accomplished. It's, it's, it's compelling and it's, it means something that we understand where exactly this falls. And I tend to believe that this letter was actually written after the council, after Acts 15. I think it makes sense in terms of the timeline that we, um, that we become immersed in within the book of Galatians itself and how that lines up with the book of Acts. I think it makes sense of how Luke actually references Paul going into Galatia in Acts 16 and 18. And I also think it makes sense why Paul is so mad. The church had made a decision about this. It was definitive. It was meaningful that Gentiles were meant to be included into the the faith community because they understood that Jesus was the only way they could be rescued, that he was king. And that was all that they needed to be changed and moved and shaped and grown into a life with him. And so it becomes meaningful to this whole thing. And this is where the tension starts to enter in. Paul is trying to be confrontational here. He really is in the book of Galatians. But it's only because he believes that this conflict will bring about healing. And it's because of this that although he's going to identify, acknowledge that he is an apostle, he has the authority, the responsibility to call them out, he also wants to bless them with what he knows we all need in terms of high-tense emotions and, and events, grace and peace. Listen to what he says. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Man, I think this might be one of the most cleanest, clear, concise ways that Paul defines the gospel He explicitly starts to address that they have this grace and this peace in God our Father. Again, that familial language, family is changing now. It's not just Jew, it's Jew and Gentile located in Christ. And he acknowledges Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. Why? 
He starts to unpack the gospel in a clear way that they can understand it. The gospel is the good news that Jesus rescued us from sin and death. That means our present circumstances and our future punishment are changed forever. It means that in Christ, we become something new. You see, the Jews saw history as being divided into two separate ages. One was the present evil age, and they saw this age as being run by evil kings. And one was the future age that they anticipated, that they longed for, that they hoped for, and it was ruled by God. And Paul says, that age has come. The king is on his throne. Jesus is the risen Messiah, sitting as Lord and Savior over all creation. And so he, he just moves into praise. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. And before we know it, I mean, that praise doesn't last long until Paul immediately moves from praising God into rebuking the Galatians. Listen to what he says in verse 6. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Man, I'm telling you, Paul is not pulling punches here. In fact, just turning your Bible to the other epistles, Corinthians, Romans, uh, Ephesians, Colossians, like all of these books, what they have are these, these really nice, tender moments of grace and peace to you, and this is who our God is. And usually... What follows that is simply a thanksgiving, a, a prayer from Paul saying, man, I'm so glad for you. I'm thankful for you. I've heard about your faith. I've seen what God is doing, but not here. No, not here. The, his whole tone is completely different. He just gets out his, his fist. He takes the gloves off and because this is how serious this topic is to Paul. He's just finished defining the gospel and now he's going to show them how they have abandoned it. Listen to what he says. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preached to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse." Now, we're going to talk about later what the gospel was that they had, had clung to and how they've abandoned the true gospel for the false one, what that false gospel entails. But the word that he uses here is, is really vivid, that word curse. Now, actually, that word might be a little bit different depending upon what translation you have. But man, I'm telling you, it is a vivid word that Paul is using to show how serious this is. It's, it's essentially Paul saying that if you have turned from the true gospel to a false gospel, you should go to hell. I mean, and he says it twice. He says, if you have turned from the true gospel to the false gospel, you should go to hell because there is one gospel, one rescue, one salvation, and it is found in Jesus and in Jesus alone. And whoever preaches a, a, a different one, they should go to hell because if they are preaching a different gospel, they are leading people there in the first place. This curse, this wrath, this damnation, it means that for somebody to, to preach and herald and proclaim good news that doesn't lead to Jesus is not good news at all. And it's leading them away from Him. And you're playing with fire when you're starting to alter the truth. Paul says, man, I don't care if an apostle shows up. I don't care if an angel shows up. If they preach to you or inspire you with anything different than Jesus, if anything, if it doesn't conform to the truth of what Jesus did on the cross, 
you might as well be nailed on one. This is how serious Paul is, and this is how intense this letter becomes. Man, if there's anything that COVID taught us, it is that a virus can spread quickly and destructively. And Paul's saying, man, a false gospel is like a virus that kills everything it touches. Now, if you remember, most people, they couldn't read. When they were hearing this letter, they were hearing it. There was one person reading it, and the rest of them were listening in on it. And it just brings about all these questions. Like, first off, did he read, try to read with the intensity that it seems as though is coming across within it? Did the people, were they listening clearly? Were they really understanding the point of what Paul was saying? I can only assume that their reaction was much like mine has been if I've ever been confronted. When I start to ask, like, who are they to tell me this? Why should I believe them? Are they right? And the truth is, man, we are confronted with false gospels all over the place, and sometimes we just start to believe them. Sometimes we start to believe that life is found in things other than Jesus, whether it's status or wealth or security or relationship. Man, and my hope is that Galatians would be a humble reminder that we should allow ourselves to be confronted, confronted not just simply by our church leadership, but by the community that we have entrusted ourselves to. See, Galatians is a book that is harsh and it's, it's detailed and it's direct. But man, you will come to see that it's also compassionate and it's caring and it's trying to be as gentle as possible for something that is as serious as it is. The good news of Jesus can't be compromised because the good news of Jesus is what sets us free to enjoy life to the fullest. And next week, Next time, we're going to look at more of these questions of how Paul begins to answer the questions. Why, why does he have the right to say this? Why should they believe him? And is he right? So we'll see you next time. Thanks again for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. We hope that this teaching is helping you discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. If you're interested in learning more about Christ Church, visit us online at cco.church.